Clitorati. We have a very special guest for you. It's not often that we have dear friends on this show. And when we do, it's really meaningful to us. Our guest today is my soul family, one of my best friends and allies in this life, and happens to also be a rock star. He's the front man for Walk the Moon. Their band puts on the most vibrant, joyful shows I've ever been to in my life. And they're known for their hit song, Shut Up and Dance. It is my profound privilege to introduce to you the most magical and musically talented person I know, Nicholas Patrika, who is here with us today to share about going public with coming out. And he's going to have a deep conversation with us about the importance of pride. So, Nicholas, welcome to the Pleasure Positive Living Yoniverse. We are so grateful to have you. (laughs) He is literally in a hotel room on tour right now having this conversation with us. Thank you so much for being here. Actually, more glamorous than that, I am in my mom's (laughs) guest room. I love it. At our family home in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's really sweet, actually. I love that. Okay. You're, even uh-huh. when you go to Cincinnati, you stay with mom. I love that. So he's he yes. may be a rock star people, but he's still humble at heart. It's so fun. I have to tell you a quick, <laughs> funny personal story. So I'm a singer as well as... And in another life, I did a lot of bar gigs where I would do cover songs. And I used to sing your song all the time. And it was one of my favorite ones. It's so funny when I met you, I was like, oh my God, I love that song. So I have sung (laughs) Shut Up and Dance. Many times I've had many raging parties at bars with my cover band and at many weddings. So thank you for bringing so much joy with that incredible song. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for that. And most recently, you're a music school, you teach, and one of your kids requested that song for their recital this year. I remember being in Mexico, getting a text from you, hi, it would make a difference for me if you could reach out to Nicholas and have a show the video that you you took of your kid's recital. He actually, he he did it further. My (laughs) student was singing the song and Nicholas sent the sweetest video just telling her that she did a good job and it meant the world to her. So thank you so much. Her parents were like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, I've got new friends. (laughs) Yeah, but it was, I was reading about pride and also your, I always like to research my guests. I know that we're friends on a personal level, but I was researching for the episode and I actually was reading the statement that you released when you came out. It's one thing to come out in a, in your private life, I would say as Madison and I have, and we'll get into that, but to come out when you're a public figure to the whole world is an entire another level of coming out, I would say. And I thought your the statement that you released was so beautiful. And there was one part that really stuck out to me. And you said, my whole life I've passed for a quote unquote normal cisgender straight guy. And it's afforded you a life of privilege with virtually no name calling or bullying or any hardship. And I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that. And why was it important to you to come out on a public level as a public figure? Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, I want to go a little deeper with what you shared about my statement, just for context that, yeah, yeah, it's true. I really have passed for straight my whole life. For most people, I think there maybe there was like a little bit of, I got a little bit of negative attention just because over the years, but just because I'm expressive and colorful and I put myself out there in that way. And 
for the most part, just really, yeah, n- never knew any bullying around that. I never received any of that and was able to avoid that. And I think one of the deep reasons that pride exists is because of the persecution and it's because of all of that that so many have endured and had to face and endure. And so really, I bow to all of them. I see I see others that have come out, especially in past, when Pride began in past decades, when it, when it was really, I think it required such, such a deep level of courage. It still does now, but there's just, there's a, ty- I would say maybe there's a type of courage that I haven't needed to engage yes, in yeah. order to come out that I really just want to bow and honor those that, that have and that do. And for me, I felt on a personal level, I felt pretty satisfied with like my family and my friends, they knew that that I was not like totally straight. <laughs> They're like not surprised. And, yeah, and I was satisfied with that. I didn't need to come out, but after spending some time with it, after I don't know, being in just inside the climate of the pandemic at the time, and just. And getting into Harvey Milk a little bit and reading some of what he has said and rewatching his biopic, I just felt so yeah. inspired and so connected to this man. And he just has this amazing quote, which I'm going to paraphrase badly right now. That's, okay. <laughs> that's basically come out, come out to your friends, come out to the mailman, come out to your family, come out to the people in the grocery store, come out to everyone. Because once it's... Once it's obvious, like how we are everywhere and we are you and we are your brothers and your sisters and your neighbors, your community members, the, that's when the name calling and the prejudice and the persecution will stop because it's just, oh, we're just all part of one community. There's not an otherness there. And so, so inspired by that and just with the idea that maybe if I... My coming out gave anybody just some little baby degree of permission more to be themselves than I was a yes to that. And it was, it felt like an easy choice. Yeah. Beautiful. From that perspective. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I can definitely relate to, it's almost like bisexual guilt, right? Because I present as a cis woman, I'm engaged to a man. So it's almost like, there are people that have had it so much more difficult than me. So it's almost, for me personally, there's almost this feeling of maybe I don't fully belong in the LGBT community, even though there's mm. the B in there. So that's been an interesting thing. It's like I am out in, obviously on the podcast and with my friends and my fiance and my family, but then there's this one area of life, right? My job where I work with kids And it's a bit more of a Republican neighborhood. (laughs) And I'm afraid, like I'm not, I don't share about the podcast on my personal social media channels for fear of those parents hearing about it and being weird about it, right? So I also think that it's okay to still be for anyone who's maybe not out or has more of a corporate job. There is still things to... I guess there's just a level of self-forgiveness, like that the conversation that I'm in when Pride was happening this year and okay, I'm at where I'm at in my coming out journey. And and I just do, I don't know what about you, Madison, but I do think bisexuality, 
And I think especially for men, there's a lot of stereotypes, right? Like I've heard, not me, bisexual men are just gay men who sometimes fuck women, right? That's the stereotype that we hear. Have you incurred any of that or have there been any of these stereotypes that you've had to fight against? Are you asking me or Madison? Both of you. Because the bisexual man in me wanted to answer that question, (laughs) but I didn't want (laughs) to. He can answer the man part. (laughs) Yeah, I was the, I was raised by a dad who wanted a son. And so I didn't, I was a super athlete as a child from the age of four. And to the point where I was beating all the boys in basketball in elementary school. And so by the time I got to sixth grade, everyone thought I was a lesbian. And the truth was I was dry humping all of my female friends starting at the age of four years old. <laughs> and by the time, and by the time I was 11, like I was at play dates with six to eight of us. And I was like, you know what we should do? We should get in a circle and masturbate. Oh, yeah. So I've been like a lesbian witch my whole life. And But it wasn't until I was judged as uh, an 11-year-old girl becoming, just got my period and realized that was negative or viewed negatively, that it meant that I was going to lose out on something. Or at least that's what I made it mean when I was like persecuted for being this lesbian. Uh, And I realized that I wanted to change that in that moment. I was like, oh, this is bad. If this is, they can't ever find out about all those things that I did because then that'd be true. But I didn't feel... I liked boys and I liked girls. So it didn't feel that the label that I was given just because I was good at basketball didn't feel resonant. But I always knew I liked both genders. And I think my journey with my femininity switched very quickly. I actually went from being the school lesbian to later that year in seventh grade, being the school slut. So I took that really and harshly (laughs) and went the opposite direction. Yeah, you can't win, can't win, especially not in growing up in Calabasas. That was brutal. And so I seemed to be the girl that everyone liked to talk about. So no matter what I did, there was like a magnifying glass on my actions, which is really great because I feel like I pioneered a lot of thought as a kid in that neighborhood and was the first one to have a threesome with my high school boyfriend and the hottest girl from Topanga. <laughs> Still have a crush on her too. You this just day. recently got in touch with your Rosie. Are you out there, Rosie? If you're listening, you recently got DM in touch me. with someone else from high school. Maybe you should reach out to Rosie. <laughs> that was the person I did my ex boyfriend from high school. Shout out if you're listening. We just reconnected, and you and your high school boyfriend just reconnected. Face, yes. my- <laughs> they went on a date. <laughs> what? No, we didn't. Okay, no, we on, didn't. They- we haven't oh, gone on a date oh, yet. Yeah, okay. He did ask me out okay, on a sorry. date, but. He came to my house for breakfast last weekend. I love how, how real time our show is right now too. Because it was like a, because we had a call before and I was just like, what are your intentions, oh, child? <laughs> what do you want to hang out with sugar for? Okay. And he said friendship. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So I'm here for that. I said, if anything changes for you, let me know. Let's be adults about it. Just name it. And so by the end of that breakfast... Yeah, he was like, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious. I was like, oh, okay. And he followed up. He asked me on an official date, which we haven't even set a date for yet. But we're going to do an episode yeah, the morning after that, though. <laughs> okay. We can, of course, we are. Great. Invite oh my gosh, back Nicholas for that. said something. Yeah, Nicholas will be We're going to have Nicholas for that one, too. <laughs> Nicholas one time said to me, told me about the meme, she's a 10. I don't know. But the she's a 10, but she's a 10. There's she's a 10, oh. but you his meme for me was like, she's a 10, but she'll talk about you on her oh, podcast. Sure. And it's true. You have like a whole Oh, it's percent. true. 
I know, by the way, my LIB boyfriend, he texted me and he said, oh, I finally got my shout out on the show. He's been listening. He, he said he heard you call him a puppy. And he's like, I was like, I don't think you're a puppy. And he was like, no, I am. I was like, no. Oh, no, I didn't think he would <laughs> no. listen. Oh, Lindsay Harper. What's Lindsay, wrong with you? things are, you keep it real. It's just, I do yeah, keep it, it was. A, it Someone's got to do it on the show. So I feel like who I am for the world is to give people permission to be their full self, their most authentic self and be feel free and have the courage to express the actions of that. As for myself, everyone that listens to the show that's been listening from my whole journey is I came out in my marriage. And so that was maybe going to not continue in one timeline. You came out in your marriage. She was, Yeah, she got married. Her husband thought she was straight. <laughs> Or was, or that would be what the trajectory yeah. would be. Even though um, she'd had a and girlfriend. And so <laughs> I did. My girlfriend introduced me to my husband, actually. I feel that I present very femme and that can be very misunderstood and being polyamorous and being in, in that community, I'm exposed to a lot of connections and certain environments I have definitely been related to as like a cis female. And that's very irritating for me. And so I've been on this journey of just exploring how I can balance my energy in a way that really is the most authentic expression of my sexual orientation now. And so a big thing I've been doing lately that just has felt more resonant with me is not really wearing makeup when I can, mostly not wearing boots instead of heels, little things like that, having a holster instead of a purse. That's Um, that's such a, it's so great that you say that Madison, because that is one of the foundations I would say of pride is like personal expression. And Mm -hmm. Nicholas, I want to reflect back to you, the question I had asked, and then also hear about a little bit of how you personally express it as well. Have you found yourself combating any of those stereotypes or anything like that with people in your personal life or public life? And how has that been for you? Cool. Before answering, we've been using this term cis, cisgender, and I just want to clarify, and maybe you can inform me. My understanding of that term is like to be a cisgender man is to be like, I'm a man, I'm in a man's body, and I'm like, I am like, there's no, as opposed to, yeah, so the def- like, as opposed to being like having any, what's the word, like, express, like, orientation towards gender fluidity or, Beyond. Yes. yes. So cisgender, it, it says the definition is relating to a person whose gender identity corresponds with the sex registered for them at birth, not transgender is the mm-hmm. actual definition. So yeah, cis doesn't necessarily have to do with sexual orientation. It has to do with right. gender. If you're cisgender, and I think what you were pointing to, and I'll let you speak for yourself, is that was one of your privileges as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. Just want to make sure that we're on the same page. And yeah. That and I, I know for Madison, she, I don't want to speak for you, Madison, around gender identity, but that is a conversation that you're in right now. I really love when you speak to me though. <laughs> like a kinky part of our friendship. Tell me what I'm thinking, Lindsay. I mean, um, there's Pablo. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't, if, you know, you have been it's, like... You have been really like... I realize I forgot to bring up Pablo in that. And there's something about that because even on the Pride Parade, which we'll get into, Nicholas and I went to the Pride Parade together this year. And he's like, where's Pablo? And I was like, fuck, I don't even know what city he's in right now. Uh, Pablo is my, the Latin gay man in me. He's fabulous. 
And he's really, he's pretty busy. He doesn't come around a lot because that's where I'm at with that. I'm not totally comfortable expressing that aspect of myself unless I'm with a small group of friends. I made that distinction for myself after I went in public with my mustache, which I got custom made for my face and went in public just to like, just run errands, got a birthday present for a friend and was felt really uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, that's where we're at right now. At least I tried that. And, but it feels really safe to bring Pablo out with my soul fam. And when we're in community Mm -hmm. and our private events. Amazing. Okay. Does that clear that conversation up for you, Nicholas? That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Okay. And the question was about was about I think I've asked you 20 questions at this point. <laughs> there was a question about <laughs> stereotypes. There was a question about you, the way you love to express your pride. Answer them in any order you want. <laughs> Great. Yeah, how do I love to express pride? I, 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 the, when, something that really occurred to me that was really present for me when we went, when Madison and I went a couple weeks ago. And this um, was both of your first pride, right? It was my first Pride parade. Parade. Okay. Yes. Obviously, we've since, been alive for Pride. Since being, but <laughs> that's what I meant. Since pride being parade. out. Got it. Okay. Since my first Pride parade since being out. Got it. Okay. Okay. Mm, that's a yeah. different experience. And I was actually, uh, do you guys know the origin of Pride? I just went to the Pride parade. I've never been to a Pride parade myself before, but I was really curious mm-hmm. of the origins of how it started. And it there was the, you guys ever heard about the Stonewall riots? So the origin for anyone who doesn't know is it was a common practice before in the 1950s and 60s for police to raid bars or places where gay people or humans on the LGBT community would commune together. And so in 1969, June 28th of 1969, the police did riot in Greenwich Village, a bar called Stonewall. And the police really aggressively were dragging patrons and employees out of the bar. And several people this time fought back against the NYPD. And there was a real, there was this like angry growing crowd of angry like locals. And then they really confronted that and it started a movement. And for after, after that, there were riots and they called them the Stonewall riots. And they lasted for, I think about a week is what they said. And so the first ever gay pride parade was on the year anniversary of that. And that's really how the pride praise got started. And I didn't know that until someone recently educated me on that. And I just thought that was an important thing to know about the parades them, mm-hmm. since we're going to get into the parade conversation. And it really yeah. just shows that when you take a stand, it can make a difference. Look at what pride has turned into. I think it's so important to normalize LGBT families and relationships. And like you said, Nicholas, mm. it's your neighbor, it's your mom, it's your sister, it's everything. Yeah. So I would love mm. to not love to hear your experience of the parade. I know I interrupted you, Nicholas. You're about to get into that. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That was great. Thank you for putting that in, Lindsay. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. No, I felt very strongly this time. Like, I feel like pride's just the way I live my life. And I feel like the pride parade is just people being like, just like more, less extra, <laughs> but themselves. And it's just, and it's just, okay. It's just, it's invited and it's just, all right, please just be you. Yeah. Be as much you, maybe be even more you than you normally are. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and I guess it, I don't know, it comes back to privilege again. I just, I feel really privileged with, to be in a community and with friends and with 
in a place where that's really celebrated and I can be really expressed in my colors and my clothing or my femininity or fluidity. And so I guess it, it felt really normal and just felt like a regular one of our parties. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. And it's also also the Hollywood pride, but I'm sure if it, I also, before I came out and before I really had a complete understanding, and I actually would say I'm still, my understanding of my own sexuality continues to evolve. But before mm-hmm. I had arrived at an understanding of my sexuality, really, I marched, I think I marched with Planned Parenthood in Cincinnati and pride, I don't know, years ago. And it is a little different, like in middle America, maybe. Oh, yeah, I mm. bet. Yeah, but... Well, uh, like the biggest difference, would you say? I don't have enough experience to really speak, to speak much to that. Yeah. I think it's just a, it's just a feeling. It's just an impression I have that in Hollywood, I don't know, no big deal. Like, it's like a little bit like this is, I don't know. This is how we walk around yeah. most days. Well, you know, people in, a way. in California are, we're all, I think, wildly <laughs> self-expressed. I feel like anytime you go to a major hub like New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco, there's it, these major cities attract a certain type of person. Mm. How many, I'm not from LA. You're not from LA. Madison's from Calabasas. She's the closest, but it takes a certain person to be like, you know what? I'm going to move to LA and pursue my dreams and or whatever it looks like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like I'm saying that as I'm hearing myself saying this, I'm like, ah, yes. And it's still the thing about it that I find really beautiful is that it's still an invitation to anyone and everyone like to wear that, rainbow as a symbol of what, you know, either your participation, your truth, your whatever that. And so maybe I, I'm just, this is just me talking and making shit up. There's also, I like it. <laughs> there were, we love that. there were thousands of other people there. And I'm sure I imagine for some of them, maybe that was a huge leap to come and dress however they dress and, yeah. and to dance down the street. Maybe that was a humongous deal for them. Yep. And I guess all I'm commenting on is that it feels like my, my my vision of the world and my like how I see the world like this is it feels like that is the that's the norm to be dancing with a crop top yeah. and, <laughs> and feathers coming out of your head that's normal hey that's uh, or what maybe I that's just what I think it ought to be you always say one person's taboo is another person's Tuesday like it's all relative exactly yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah for mm. sure amazing for sure. Yeah. One of the things that really sticks out to me about the Pride Parade is this feeling that's come up for me both years now. So this was my second time going and both feel like feelings were the same both times, which was a fear of going. Mm. And last year when I went for the first time, there were some public shootings that had happened before, a couple months before. And it was just like really in the public sphere, shootings, yeah. shootings, shootings. And I remember going to the Pride Parade last year with that fear of, oh, ooh, we're like, this is a completely pu- like public open container of people celebrating who they are, which pisses some people off. And I remember feeling a little bit terrified to be that exposed. And I was dressed up last year as a rainbow squirrel. So you like, I was just like, you couldn't miss me. (laughs) Couldn't miss me. You went as rainbow squirrel. I love that. I did go as rainbow. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. I feel that we should, there's a character called Rainbow Squirrel and she has a whole get up, rainbow tail, rainbow ears, <laughs> rainbow leg warmers. And Lindsay's fiance, he identified the rainbow squirrel and named her well, who we she were, is. And wait, I, no way. So me and my fiance, during the pandemic, we were all bored as fuck. So we decided to throw our own <laughs> micro festival. I'm a musician, so I have a shit ton of sound equipment. He's a lighting designer. He has this like crazy art installation. We're like, fuck it. We're going to throw our own festival in the woods. And so we've got our whole like setup. We've got a carport set up in the middle of the tent and we're sleeping in there. And in the morning, we have a little kitchen set up. Wasn't the morning. It was okay, late okay. at night. It was like three in the morning. That's the morning. <laughs> we hear <Okay>. this <laughs> rustling in, in our tent. And it's Madison like looking for her jewel. For snacks. Sna- oh, you were looking for snacks or she was looking for something. Nuts. And Ryan was like, there's a squirrel in our tent. And we look out and she's like in a full rainbow outfit. And we're like, there's a rainbow squirrel in our tent looking for snacks. <laughs> she was hungry and it's stuck. Now it's a character. Got yeah, it. I was actually in someone else's rainbow fur coat just because I was cold and it was the only coat nearby. And so when they, I decided that was such a great name and like recognition of my soul in so many ways that the following year at the deep, Forest Festival. I made. I created a tribute costume in honor of Ryan Lindsay's fiance. And that's for, what you wore to for that pride. level of seeing someone's. And then I wore that's it perfect. to pride. So she lives on. So back to the <laughs> this year when I went, though. I was, was also was a really very important pivotal part of this episode. <laughs> it was related to rainbows. We must talk about it. So this year at Pride, on my drive over, I felt that same feeling. I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit same familiar feeling of being afraid for my safety and for everyone's safety. Just hoping that there's just no crazy people out there that want to mess with this beautiful energy, you know? And that's when I realized this is what, how you participate in pride is you move past the discomfort and the fear and you show up anyways, because that is what the pioneers for pride have been doing year over year since Stonewall is showing up even in the face of any, yeah, all of these possibilities. And when people show their colors and celebrate their colors, we know that there are some groups of people that don't like that. And so doing it anyway is is a form of participation, participating. Because I really got that my fear could have been the difference between me not Well, and I think you bring up a really valid point, Madison. And Nicholas, this is one of the things that you also put in your state. You paraphrased him today. And there's a part of your statement at the end where it says, we've been among you this whole time. And that's the moment when the myths, the bullying and the inequality will end. And I would love to tap into that conversation. Your thoughts around that. How can we make a difference in that conversation, in your opinion? To carry on what Harvey Milk said, just you're coming out, you're being open, I think is a huge step mm. and is very important. The, the beautiful messages that I've received through Instagram or email or whatever since my coming out, it's just, it's clear that it's just, it's clear that there are beautiful human beings out there who don't feel safe to to express themselves fully. And I think that's something that's like part of a human journey on on some level for everyone is like finding themselves, finding that expression, like leaning into the edges. And But I think there's, we've had a history of it being like really unsafe for yeah. certain groups of people to be, just to be. 
And so to create a space of not aloneness, to create a space of community and a space of like shining your truth, shining your light, whatever that is, I think that's, I think that's vital. Yeah, I do too. And you know, mm. this, this is a heartbreaking story, but I saw a news article just yesterday of a man. There was a fourth grade girl. She was born female. And I think she just had a short haircut or something. Absolutely ridiculous. She was at a track meet at her elementary school. And this 68-year-old man decides to go on the field and accuses her of being transgender and was started harassing her and her family to the point where, like, the girl's in tears. The guy's been banned from all school activities. But it's like, look at what he's done to this little girl. And I mm. think that... I know for me, I think I was a mm. bit naive about how far I thought we had come in many conversations around human mm. rights, not only in other countries, but in ours. And now there's this, I don't want to say movement, but this, I feel that people have been given permission recently to be vocally discriminatory in public places, and it's really having a negative impact. So I think that if that side is getting louder, we have a civic duty to get louder as well and to speak about these things that are not okay and to show children like this little girl that they are, like she was a girl and accused of being transgender because her moms were lesbians. Like how unconscious is this man? And now he's destroyed this little girl's confidence. And it's just awful. And so Mm -hmm. I do feel that there's a civic duty to like, if you see something, you can't be silent anymore. We have to speak up and create a better world for Mm -hmm. the generation after us because I this is just my opinion. In some ways, I feel we have almost taken a step back in some regards or just like people who are not for human self-expression have gotten louder for some reason. And that's... I think that makes pride even more important and to have these conversations continue and be louder and bolder. Yes. Yeah. No, I really, I've been seeing that also or experiencing that also, not experiencing it, but just noticing. And I think that's a natural, it makes sense to me that as the, as culture becomes more progressive for lack of a better term, more open and more more fluid i think those that are not like going with that flow like are, will become more like obvious like those yeah. things will become more more loud or more apparent and so while i would never say that was a good thing that this man harassed this young girl in this way like there's a part of me that also sees like in general like this this happening as a positive thing. That I don't, these people are being called I, out publicly. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, just that like I for like more truth, please, like more truth to be revealed. Like mm-hmm. I, I guess I would prefer to know yeah. that there's whatever, that there's like a community of people who are really not chill with oh, yeah. culture going in this direction, rather than it being like this silent 
festering like energy that then blows up in a different way. It's I, I, again, it's it's touchy. I don't want to be misinterpreted to say, oh, that was that's great. I hope all the bigots yell at little girls. You no, know, I, I think what you're saying is it's good. What I hear, what I think you're saying is it's actually good for us to hear stories like this so that we're not living in this bubble thinking everything's hunky-dory out there, but we're more aware so that we can be stronger advocates is what I hear you saying. Totally. Yeah, I would say exactly. And I think that there's like a level of ignorance that is privilege or there's or vice versa or something and that I could own in myself, even as I'm like talking about pride and like, oh, that's normal. Like it just- It is privilege. it's It's a great privilege to just like, to- yeah, to be a, to, to have been able to be with it the way I have, but just, yeah, yeah I think it's, in, we're in an important sort of mega growing pains process. I think mm. our previous president and his energy like brought forward a lot of the extremes for better and worse. Yeah. And I think that even though it's been like, kind of sickening at times to witness the conversations or like the words or what, that have been thrown back and forth. I, I think that it we're that this time feels important to me. It feels like necessary to like be moving through yeah. whatever the fuck this is. I wholeheartedly agree yeah. with you. And thank you for, as I said earlier, Madison and I have come out in our personal lives, but you came out on a global level and that really takes... I think a tremendous amount of courage in this current environment, whether you felt it or not, I know you made a difference for other people by just being your whole self Mm -hmm. and being true to yourself. And I know that there's somebody listening right now that it's making a difference for, and I'm sure you've already made a huge difference for so many people. And so we just want to thank you for being your true self and being willing to put yourself out there like that, because I think it's pretty remarkable. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It felt good. It felt good to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I didn't, and it, and it mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's continued to evolve like the, my emotion around it or my feelings around it. And yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, like the vulnerability that's there that I couldn't have known until stepping past that, stepping beyond that threshold. So it's, yeah. it continues to evolve, but thank you for saying Amazing. that. Amazing. Mm. And so we are committed to as we said, a million people standing and living their pleasure positive life. And we are pleasure positive living. And so what does this mean to you? What's your relationship to pleasure? And how do you see yourself living a pleasure positive life? This is something we ask. Mm. So looking forward to your answer. <laughs> Great. Yeah, no, that, that feels your I love your mission. And I think that it's medicine for the world. I think that it's really important, especially women feeling pleasure. Like there's, I don't know, I've heard a hundred times in a hundred different ways and agree in all the ways that women, like, I don't know. (laughs) It's almost like happy wife, happy life. Like happy women (laughs) equals like a peaceful world. I feel like. (laughs) I agree. I like that. Like, Well, what? <laughs> well, and really, that, I don't know. One, obvious, of, one, of the, one of the terms we say a lot is like gender harmony. When we're in true mm, gender harmony, it's nice. Then we're the symbiotic organism that's floating around the universe happy. Totally. Casting spells. <laughs> yeah. And stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. <Madison. laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, pleasure. 
pleasure. I think, I don't know. It's been an interesting dance for me, like of accepting or like being, having a positive relationship with sexual pleasure or like my own or sexual desire even, mm. I would say. Yeah. My first interaction with sex really in my life and my childhood was like through porn, right? So that created for me this like guilt relationship, this shame relationship with desire, with sexual desire. And it's been interesting in my adult life and my, my consciousness journey, working through that and seeing where that has colored or shaped my experience with how I receive or pursue my my sexual pleasure and desires. Yeah. You you asked like how do I live a pleasure positive life? Yeah, how do you see yourself yeah, living a pleasure you... positive life? Yeah. I'm a freaking hedonist for sure. I like <laughs> I if you know me, you know that like nothing nothing in my house is not fuzzy. <laughs> Everything is furry. I love to live like in like I want to feel like I'm I'm like softly held Aww. everywhere in my home space. I want to just feel like I can just be not just comfy but yummy. And so cultivating, yeah, I guess it's like cultivating an an ownership of whatever my desire, whatever like comfort and yumminess and pleasure is to me. And in that case, like in my home, yeah, you know what? I just really to be fucking comfy all the time. I'm going to have, I'm going to layer everything with fur and have like nice chill lighting. And I love it. And this is so that I, and and there is, there's like an ownership there. It's, I think ownership takes, takes courage, Absolutely. even in, even inside the privacy of my own home. Like, this is what I love. And so fuck it. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Apply that quote to of anything. The episode. That, yeah. Amazing. That's a quote of yeah. the episode. It definitely that applies to all that you do. Something that you have taught me that I see. And I see myself as like a pleasure priestess and a holder of pleasure codes. But there's something about the way you lead your life that it was muse-like for me. I was like, whoa, this is like calling sugar to like the next level of allowing for a desire. Something that I see that you do is you make so much space for your desire and you vocalize it with the utmost most joy. There isn't like even a hint of shame when you express what you want and you can enroll the world around you in moving that desire forward. And then what that does is it wakes up other people to their desires so that they're like, wait, what do I want? And then you're in celebration of, yeah, go go lean toward that. If that means that we're separating in this moment, great. And so I just want to really acknowledge you for the, how I see you're living a pleasure positive life because it has truly inspired me. And this is sugar. So I don't have that many muses in this world. Um, Amazing. But yes, the way you walk with pleasure. And yeah, thank you so much for joining for this episode. It really means so meaningful to us when we get to interview people from our lives. Yeah. Have you ever done an interview where I'm people haven't asked you one question about your music? <laughs> <laughs> maybe not right this is great <laughs> beautiful and I, I actually was wanted to have our followers stay connected with you I know that you have a lot of exciting things that you're creating and birthing into the world Nicholas yes. and speaking of music how can our listeners <laughs> yeah and so definitely huge recommendation to stay connected with this really magical human being Nicholas, you are bringing some magic into the world soon here. And 
So how can our listeners stay connected with you? It would be the best way. Yeah, great. You can always follow my band, Walk the Moon, on all the socials. And you can follow me. I'm Nicholas Patrika. At maybe at this point, my Instagram handle will have shifted, oh. but you can find me through you can find me through my name, Nicholas Patrika. And yeah, I am I I get to live my dream and create music. And that's I don't know what else to say. Like it's gonna be yeah, the music's gonna be coming from all directions. So let's oh, that's go. so exciting. Yeah. And we will definitely have him linked in our show notes. Make sure you keep up on his musical journey because he is one of the most phenomenal songwriters I've ever had the privilege of meeting. So make sure you do that. Nicholas, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your willingness to just be totally candid and vulnerable and allowing us to go anywhere in the conversation with you. That's really, we really appreciate it. And with that, Clitorati, we are going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.